Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Mental Health Awareness right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my wonderful guest is Elizabeth Power. We have a lot to talk to you about today. Healer, reducing crisis. You know, we're all in a particular stage right now where kind of stress is really, really, really high. And a lot of people have been in a particular kind of crisis. So how do we reduce that? She says, all I do is help people with change, resilience and self-care and alignment. And everything is done from a trauma-informed perspective. Even courses directly about working with trauma are all about change. Power develops cross-cultural adaptions of models of care for the mental health community, as well as helping other countries like Japan, developing their own models. The Trauma-Informed Academy recently released her new model, the Trauma Responsive System, which focuses on mastering nine elements akin to the aligned emotional intelligence. She's an international authority on trauma-informed uh, charge and resilience. She's also um, adjunct instructor in psychiatry at Georgetown University Medical Center and a veteran adult educator. And her new book, Healer, Reducing Crisis, is the first of five book series that reduces the time, trauma, and cost of healing from overwhelming events. Her uh, clients include the National Center for Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, National Child Traumatic Stress Network, and many more. And a frequent uh, conference speaker and trainer, Elizabeth's target is to teach ways to reduce, uh, to refocus our skills uh, over sickness. Um, I like that. I like that, that, you know, we're very, very quick to call everything a lovely label of you're sick, you're mentally sick, you know, instead of like, we're going through something that we don't know how to handle. It's a feeling rather traumatic, but it doesn't mean necessarily we're sick. We just don't know how to manage it. Welcome to the show, my love. Thank you, darling. And that is so true. We are so quick. You know, the box of normal has been getting smaller every time they come up with new labels. And I think probably what we should do is follow the money and think about how does it help people to create more and more mental illnesses and more and more mental disorders. Mm -hmm. But I want to tell you what the real trick is. Here in the States in 2018, 24 million prescriptions for Zoloft or Sertraline were written. 24 million. Now we know from good solid research, and I like research, mm -hmm. that exercise will reduce depression as well as medication in many cases. So let's say that only 12 million people need medication, that we can get the other 12 on a walking program. And we know that in both cases, good solid relationship like a counselor can help. So now let's start doing the numbers. If there are 12 million people that still need counseling and therapy, along with medication or just exercise, either way, doesn't matter. Probably can drop more if you get that exercise thing because you really want to walk with a friend. That means that we need to have enough people to see 12 million people twice a month for 45 minutes to 55 minutes each month. How many people would that take? Mm -hmm. Ah, 
Now, how long does it take to become a counselor or a therapist? Mm-hmm. Oh, your four-year degree, your graduate degree, some supervision, a few more years, maybe 10 years. And how long do clinicians stay in the field? Right. An average of six years. This gap is never going to close. And so we need to quit digging the same hole. It's getting deeper and the ends are getting filled and it's beginning to go from a trench to a grave because the system cannot survive. We can't do this. No, and the pharmaceutical loves the fact that you can pop a pill instead of, you know, kind of getting the support that you need. Right, right. And so you got to come to grips with the fact the pharmaceutical industry is not in this to help people get better. No, they are in it to make money. Yes. I mean, for God's sakes, look at the potential side effects. Mm-hmm. Genital rotting. Hello? And you still suicide take the pill? <laughs> suicide out, suicidal thinking and ideation, depression, dramatic weight gain. I mean, and, and if you happen to be a person who has written a prescription for one of these drugs, when you go back to your prescriber, depending on how you look, your race, your age, your gender, and your circumstances, your concerns about that medication may or may not be taken seriously. Mm. Better to avoid it all the way around if you can, and to realize that many, many of the things, you know, the discomfort you're talking about, a lot of us just don't have the skills to handle that. That's skills, that's learning. That's learning. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm on a tear. No, no, no. I'm 100% with you. Um, I I have fibromyalgia and I've suffered from depression a great deal in my life. And, you know, the old rabbit hole. And when you you get down into that rabbit hole, you know, there is no rationalization. There is no snap out of it. There is no logics, nothing. You're in that rabbit hole and it's just kind of a place of despair. And I was finding myself getting down there too much and I had to succumb to a pill. And it's a very, very low dose. And it's one that's been around for about 50 years. I don't know the name of it. And it helped me out of the rabbit hole and it helped me balance. I only touch it now if I can feel I just can't cope with my own stress. That's the same thing I do. Um, now, now that we're outing diagnoses, <laughs> but as soon as PTSD hit the books, I was diagnosed. Right. As soon as. Mm-hmm. That would have been in the early 80s. Then in 1990, um, after the death of 13 people in one year, including my mother. Uh, that's too much. I was, too much. Uh, yeah, I, I said, I, I need to go back. I'm having these flashbacks. This doesn't make sense. I've already worked on this mm-hmm. before I really remember the spiral thing that we have to deal with, you know. And in the fourth session, I was diagnosed on the spot with what used to be called multiple personality disorder. Hmm. Let me tell you, it changed my entire perspective. My world was gone in about five minutes because suddenly, you know, have I done things I don't know about? Will people accuse me of doing things I haven't done? How might I be exploited for this particular post-traumatic stress response that people call disorderly? How will I live my life? Medication doesn't work for that. It became a massive learning project, and um, it was a remarkable experience. I would not have volunteered for it. But I think I probably milked it for all it was worth in terms of figuring things out and learning to think in different ways. Well, I mean, I'm always a person that that was your redirect. You know, yes, it was. Yeah, you had to go through that in order to do what you're doing today. That's you know? exactly and, right. And I'm a firm believer in that. You know, the old cosmic yeah, two yeah. by four is like, okay, do you hear me now? I'm going to put you on a different path, you know? Yeah, yeah it, was the, it was the telephone pole, yeah. And, yeah. and the interesting thing is, is when you begin to look at that as a state-dependent learning 
something happened. I didn't have the resources to cope with it. I was lucky I was able to go into another state and manage. I had knee surgery six times with nothing but Tylenol-3. Oh, gosh, I hate Tylenol-3. Well, it was the only thing that worked. I mean, no morphine, none of the heavy stuff. And yeah. so it was a really fascinating thing to kind of figure out across my life. How have I used this to my benefit? But enough about that. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're going to go there because everybody that, you know, I would say 98% of the people that I've interviewed that have gone through some form of crisis, some form of redirect, right. have said that, you know, that they're grateful for it, however traumatic or horrendous it was, right, because right. they wouldn't be who they are doing what they're doing today in that space, that heart right. and soul space that they're in, right. they're in today. Right. The, the key thing is, is crisis is going to hit us anywhere along the line. We're all going to suffer some form, some form of depression or, you know, just downness, heaviness, feeling mm -hmm. stuck or feeling mm -hmm. traumatized. It's that's just the state of life. It's what we do with that, how we that's choose correct. to come out of that and learning the skills to do it rather than popping a pill. That's right. right. That's right. And that's that's exactly the focus I've taken because I've, I began as I learned more about dissociation, I began to realize, oh, what a lovely tool. My godmother says I was doing it before I was even two. Mm hmm. And it's so good, perfect, because that's the perfect age for children to develop it. If you don't have, if you're, you know, we moved a lot. My father died before I was three. There was a lot of normal, but very overwhelming things. And without the support from my family to be able to sit with those, of course I did that. And it was great because it worked. Yes. But yes. there were a lot of things I missed because every time as a child that you are so overwhelmed that you think you might die or lose your mind, or, 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 other, or otherwise be badly injured, all learning stops. Your brain is doing only one thing. Its job is to keep your body alive. No body, forget the rest. Yes, know. yes. Forget the oh, rest. that's the survival, yeah. right? You yeah. know, what we yeah. want people yeah. to be is in the thrival. Um, but yes. Yes. how many people are just literally surviving? They're not living. They're certainly not thriving. You know, and they're not even attached to life. They're just clinging on by their nails and they just don't know how to get out of that pit. I'm going to give you the first clue for that. Every single human being has positive memories. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to let yourself have them. Now your brain reminds of the others because its job is to keep you alive. So of course it brings up all the bad stuff saying danger, danger. Don't do that again. Don't do that again. You can train it like a muscle. To also, this is not about not thinking about those, also focus on those lovely interconnections that you have, even when you're not around the things that cause them. You and I have already done some of that, haven't we? Oh, we've yeah. talked about <laughs> South Africa. Mm -hmm. We've talked about D.C. Mm -hmm. We've talked about Chilliwack. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the people I visited in Snohomish. And it's obvious you have connections to these things as well. Mm -hmm. So for each of us, we've been bathing our brains in those feel-good chemicals just by remembering those interconnections to other things that we have that we can call up and hold with us and help us feel good when we are trying to deal with stress. And here's the kicker. If you do it a lot when you're not feeling stressed, the next time stress comes up, it's not nearly as bad. Right, right. It That's becomes that habit, right? Yeah. A yeah. good habit, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm always saying that emotions are important because they're an oh, indication very. of where we're at. You know, I'm mad, I'm glad, I'm sad or whatever. Well, what are you sad about? What are you mad about? You know, spend the 
emotion. You need to get it out. You need to articulate yes, yes, it, yes. but don't get stuck in the emotional. In other words, don't become emotional about the emotion because right. that's when you get stuck in it and, and it, to get out of it is so much harder. The dog has its mouth, its tail in its mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. And, yes. <laughs> you know, I call that elastic emotions because self-regulation, the ability to identify and manage your feelings is critical in trauma recovery. But a lot of us grew up with, I feel good and I feel bad. I feel good. I feel bad. Mad, sad, glad. That's all you get. Do you know how many synonyms there are for anger in thesaurus.com? About 50, more than 50, I think, 55. You can go and you can look, but there are all kinds of words that are about different levels and types of anger. I mean, have you had a conniption fit lately? <laughs> I love that word conniption. <laughs> I was with my four-month-old uh, baby uh, grandson this weekend, and he had a little conniption. He had a little conniption, <laughs> and then he had a hissy fit, right? Uh, well, yeah, then it was then to the eh, 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 conch. Oh, bless your heart. Yeah. <laughs> See, the thing is, the more names of emotions that you know and befriend, and we're all frightened about anger, but anger is often fear in drag. So if you if you look at anger and all the kinds of anger and befriend them, then it becomes a whole lot easier yeah. to figure out how to turn them up and down like the volume on on a, on a, on, a, on, a, on a, any kind of device. I mean, anytime we're in a, in a form of depression or, or we get worked up over something or something's made us sad or angry, we feel that we're not in control. We're mm -hmm. reacting and it's, and it's such an overwhelming emotion that we feel, I can't control this, you know, because I, I'm reacting to something and it's really got me by the tail. And, you know, for, for me, it's always take a breath, mm -hmm. at least three good deep breaths, you know, mm -hmm. a lion <laughs> right. You had to train yourself to do that, didn't yes. you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So here's a really interesting thing for your audience to do. Go out on the internet and search for where do people feel emotions in their bodies? And what they'll find is the outcome of some research done in Finland by a man by the Newman Ma, N-U-M-E-N-M-A-A. -E -A. It's Newman Ma laboratories where they've coded, they've asked lots of people from different cultures, where do you feel activation or deactivation when you, when you feel this feeling? And so they've got these beautiful color coded maps that are turning out to be almost nearly universal. Mm. And so what happens is if you grow up in a family that is kind of emotionally illiterate, and I don't mean that ugly, mine sure yeah. was, we were hillbillies. You wanna see my mama happy? You wanna <laughs> see my mama mad? <laughs> same story <laughs> yeah we didn't give you that our feelings we right. hid behind the faces mm. so if you have these images of when people are anxious they feel activated here here and here but deactivated here there there and there suddenly you have another way of beginning to identify and like good good european people categorize your emotions mm -hmm. that said once you categorize them the more you the more you Fall in love with them and befriend them. Mm. You know, asking the people you think they're doing better than you are, do you ever feel X? What's happening when you feel X? Where do you feel X in your body? What do you do when you feel X? The more you get just input about what the people that you think are doing well do with their feelings, then suddenly they're not as scary. Right. And it's easier to remember to take those three breaths when you start finding yourself reacting. Mm-hmm. Well, what we don't realize is we're literally tensing our body up, everything. 
the shoulders, mm. the hands, the spine, the stomach is in turmoil. The head cannot rationally think anything because everything right. is tightened and shut down. Right. And, you know, it, in order to release this hands, you've got to get oxygen into the body. Right, right, right. right. And just, right. you know, taking that breath, loosening things up because mm-hmm. you, you've yeah, got a problem in front of you. Yeah, shake the shoulders right, up, right, get the right, boogie going, right. you know, right. You just yeah, yeah, yeah. shake it off because literally you have to loosen up the body in order for the flow to happen for the clarity to be there that's correct and it's interesting because when we get that cortisol pump going when we're when we're anxious when we're highly emotional in any way when Mm. we're when we become when we react to something you also have to deal with the tail of that cortisol going down that's why a lot of times um, you'll find that folks will have something very difficult happen and what they need to do is go and play some sport Mm-hmm. or walk or stride or chop wood or dig dig dirt or dig something do something that uses those big muscles to to drain off the rest of that cortisol and adrenaline that come from that stressor I mean, that's why you see people you know having a punching bag in their basement yeah. right yeah. it's you yeah. know and um, you know for some people like me it's get up and dance you know it's it's a way of releasing it right yes. it's yes um, I used to say to the kids when they got like they're letting their silly billies out you know, <laughs> because, you know, they're all uptight and everything can put on some music and have them dance the silly billies out. Or I used to sing opera to them and they begged me to stop. And they, you know, that'll <laughs> do, do, it. To do it. But it's that redirect, isn't it, that we need, yeah. you know, it's because the, always and the, redirect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the release and the redirect. Because if you redirect without the release and you've still got it stuck. Yes. Yeah. And that's yeah. the hard thing. You know, it's, it's a kindness to your body. Now, I'll tell you one of the things about breathing that is so fabulous. You have this very long nerve called the vagus nerve. And when people experience things that are overwhelming or traumatic, however you want to call it, in childhood especially, that vagus nerve doesn't develop very good tone. Mm-hmm. So toning your vagus nerve is really important. Now, that also has to do with aligning the chakras because a vagal nerve that is out of tone will also disrupt the chakra balances. There is, without a doubt, hands down, the best work on breathing for vagal nerve toning by a guy named Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F. He's called the Iceman. Mm-hmm. He's mastered his metabolic processes so well that he can sit in a cube up to his neck of ice water for hours without any ill effect. Wow. On YouTube, there's an 11 minute and one second breathing, guided breathing tool that he does. What I love about it, Sarah, is that it doesn't say do this or else. He says, whatever your body will do, let your body do. Mm-hmm. If it's more than you can do, stop. And it's very common, lots of common sense. But that work tones the vagus nerve. His protocol is breathing, cold showers, don't freak out yet, <laughs> and, and exercises. And all you have to do is when you take your shower, gradually cut the water back so that at the end of your shower, you're taking shower in cold water and keep breathing while you do it. Mm-hmm. And that tones that vagus nerve nicely. Oh, I'll have to try that. Definitely. Well, um, yeah, nothing breathe. if not resources. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hope you're writing this all down, folks. <laughs> this is why you always see people should have, a, you know, there's a book club. There should be a podcast club. Yes. You know, everybody listens to it, comes back and, and has a conversation of what they learned from it. Because mindful of information here, folks, that you should be taking down. Um, and, and, you know, you're obviously your, your knowledge has been accumulated 
for the work that you do and over time and and we're never ever too old to learn so uh, and it doesn't matter what your beginnings have been or your middle is mm -hmm. if you are willing to change and step out of that crisis or the anger or the despondency I, I go I'm going to feed my cup positivity I am going to do the exercise I'm going to do the breathing I'm going to do the mental alignment it, it, it all comes down to choice doesn't it but so many people get so stuck in things that they don't realize the choices in front of them oh listen I got blasted for that I, I have a my first book was called if change is all there is choice is all you've got it's still out on Amazon. Perfect. And the real truth of the matter is that we may not always choose the changes we face, but we can choose how we deal with them. Exactly. But if you've been victimized in your life, if you're a survivor of trauma, it's easy to say, I don't have any choices. They took all my choices and I'm going, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. Did you hit the snooze button this morning? Did you roll out of the left or right side of your bed? How many shirts do you have in your closet? Did you pick one? How many times did you brush your teeth on the uppers? How about the lowers? There are choices embedded every single day, all day long, little bitty choices. And all we're working to do is to stack the ones that point us where we want to go in our redirects. I mean, abstaining from a choice is a choice. Yes, that's correct. Right. So um, we have things that happen to us in our life and that no it isn't our choice and we certainly wouldn't have ordered it although it's a part of our journey right. um how we react to that what we learn from it who we become because of it right is our choice right and so many people kind of get stuck in the trauma of it and i know there are some people who have had horrific things happen to them. I mean, the, some of the tales that I've I've learned here in doing these shows is that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have blamed them if they checked out with what happened to them. Yes. But they, they decided to discover their courage and their strength and their abilities, go through the healing process and who they are and what they're doing today is extraordinary. Yes, right? yes. But it's that willingness, isn't it? To say, look, this is not me. The depression isn't me. The crisis isn't me. The trauma isn't me. This is what happened to me. I am more than this. And I am yes. willing to participate in my own healing. Yes. With the yes. help of others. I'm willing to take the risk mm. that being happy, even for a moment, yeah. brings in my misery. Yes. Yes. I may have been victimized in my life, but I'm not a victim. Exactly. I had a young woman the other day on that um, uh, an ex-boyfriend called her to his apartment only to find that he had uh, he killed his best friend and she was next and proceeded to rape her and then as he turned his back she ran he ran after her and she called the police and he was caught and uh, and she said i am not a victim i refuse to be a victim right but the system is a hard time letting her not be one i know I know the system is very dedicated to making us victims. I remember I, when I when I was when I was diagnosed with multiple personality. And for me, I had if you parse experience and you can think about this in terms of chakras, almost mm -hmm. there's sensation. What happens to your body? That's why I had knee surgery without anything except mild medication. Mm -hmm. I didn't live in my body. Right. There's knowledge. What is happening? There's will. The choices that you make, that your affect, your feelings and your behavior but by not having so much of what I was experiencing physically, many of the very difficult things I did experience were simply 
not processed at all. Mm. And so I had a lot of processing I needed to do, but I had a whole crowd to help. Yes. And I just didn't believe what they told me about what it meant to be the way I was as a result of what happened to me. Mm. I didn't have a characterological disorder and I didn't have a mental illness. Mm -hmm. I had a powerful gift that mm. came as a result of all the things that happened to me. And it needed some organizing and some helping out to be more effective. Right. That's some understanding, all. understanding of how to use it, right? I mean, right, it's right. A, um, right. you know, I'm a seer, I'm, I'm a dimensional traveler. Um, I'm a knowingness person, you know, because since I was a kid, uh, I just always was parting wise wisdom, even though I had no idea yes. what I was giving, right? It was yes. just, I was a channeler. And yes that is who i am it comes through me i allow it it's what i'm here to do and but it, i never had a problem with that even as uh -huh. a child i accepted right. that i had a problem with the way people reacted to me yes yes i resemble that remark mm. Mm. <laughs> I, re I, I mean I, I was a seer and a healer and a knower as a child and yeah. i was terrifying to the adults around me yes because i might know something they didn't want known right <laughs> Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you might be channeling something they need to know and they didn't want to know it. <laughs> right. Or I might have seen something that they thought children shouldn't see. And I'm going, well, why did you leave it exposed? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and that means also their psyche exposed um, because we can yes. just see things inside of people. It's yes. very hard to pull the wool over our eyes. Yes. Right. Yes. It Except is, for, I don't know about you, but I'm always willing to see the good in people before the bad. Um, and if, if they choose to persist with their bad, you know, because I, I can see if there's good in there and I'm always trying to bring it out, have them right. see it for themselves. But some people are hell bent on being in the negative. And but that's, if you've been told that's all of who you are, how yeah. could you have the courage to go for the positive? Right. If my identity is totally tied up, if I don't have anything in my life except the traumatic experiences that have happened to me, I have nothing to talk to you about. Right. I have nothing to focus on. And I could, I could, even if I stopped and looked at that one tiny little ant, little tiny, tiny ant, who's, who's proudly carrying a small breadcrumb across the walk, that is something that I can look at and talk about besides my trauma. Mm. Why would I want to hang around with people who only want to talk about all of their trauma? Right. Yeah. If you want to get better, hang out with people who are better and find out what they're doing and model it. The, the, a lot of the times when people are still in that trauma mode is mm -hmm. because it is for the attention. And, and they don't want that attention, but they don't know how to get any other right. sort. And, and let's face it, there are some people who just don't want to put the work in. Yes, and I'll tell you that now that's out of a change model that I did back in the late 70s. In fact, it was the thing that popped up when I was sitting in that clinician's office. Um, how does change feel? Let's see. You remember the you're, you're I bet you remember when computer screens were green or gray or amber. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Do you remember the very when first they were time a big you, room? <laughs> oh, yeah. You remember the very first time you sat down to learn how to use a computer? Yes. And after about 15 keystrokes, of Every time you hit it and you thought, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Yeah. And you wanted to shoot it right between the disc drives. Change universally brings with it anger and irritation yeah. and feelings of anxiety yes. and being stupid and being handicapped. When you feel those feelings, what you need is pity, sympathy, comfort and attention. If you are living from a small child frame. Right. 
And because that pity, sympathy, comfort, and attention feels good, then the only way you know to get it is to continue staying caught in that loop. Yeah. But you're getting that at the expense of self-respect, yes. self-esteem, self-determination, self-growth, uh, growth, all of that. And if you want to get those things, you have to shift away from that pity, sympathy, comfort, and attention. And the only way you do that is by recognizing it's a change and it's going to feel awful and you can do it. You can practice feeling what it feels like to feel good until your body and your heart and all your being is lined up and saying, oh, oh, we can do this. Let's do more of this. And it will not take any of your trauma away. It leaves it intact. Yes. But the, the thing is, you can look at your trauma, you can speak about your trauma without feeling traumatic. That's correct. Now, if you do that around some people, mm. they'll say it's because that you are in denial about yes. how bad it was, right. or you haven't done your work. And what if you've actually processed it? Now it's simply an event on your timeline. Yes. Yes. That's what I, I'm thinking. I, am, I mean, I've had people, Sarah, write your book, you know, share all your traumas. I go, oh, no. <laughs> yeah you know being there done that you know yeah. I, I can address certain things that that have happened but i rather talk about you know where i where i went because of it you know what i learned about myself or you know the struggle obviously of of stepping into oneself without permission of everybody else because our generation we needed permission for everything didn't oh, we oh yeah man yeah no. and the only we needed permission to get asked permission yeah I mean, <laughs> exactly it reminds me of the movie Brazil. I don't know if you ever remember yeah. that. You know, an acquisition for an acquisition for ring of Brazil. Yeah, I know. It's just yeah. a, a madness. And I, we've somehow been taught that um, we're less than or um, that we're not worthy uh, and that we need permission to be. Nobody needs to give you permission. The only person that needs you to give permission is yourself entirely. That's correct. Right? That's correct. That was a long journey in learning that. And I think what we what we want to do is shortcut people if like, hey, by the way, you don't need permission from anyone. You know, it's like if you want to recover, if you want to change your whole platform, if you don't want to live in this anymore, then you've got to be willing to do the work. And it can be toe by toe, foot by foot, yard by yard. It doesn't matter. You don't have to take the leaps. You've just got to be willing to move forward and participate in your own healing. That's correct. And I think even bigger than that, Sarah, is you've got to be willing to have hope, which is yes. a choice. Yeah. You know, I, I remember as a child, there was always a point way out beyond where my hands just disappeared off my own screen. Mm -hmm. And I could see light. Yes. And it didn't matter what got in my way. And it didn't matter how often I turned away from that. It didn't matter how many errors I made in the process, how many mistakes I had to do retakes of. I've always known I have that light is right there. And to keep going for that quarter inch by quarter inch, mm -hmm. toe by toe, as you yeah. say, that even the moments when I felt totally sidetracked, I knew that there are three things that would help me get back to myself if I would just pursue them to yeah. find that light. And they were that interconnection piece. Mm -hmm. If your life is chaotic as a child, you may have missed developing that keenly with your parents. Mm -hmm. You might have it with your ringtones. You might have it with your pets. You might have it with songs. You might have it with clothing or jewelry that have been gifted to you. You might have it with a word from someone that someone gave you uh, 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 some time ago. But you have all these inner resources that you can call on to bathe your brain in feel-good chemicals. 
that helps strengthen the container of the self. That was the first one. We've already talked about the second one, and that was managing your feelings. Yeah. And the third one is feeling worthy of life. Yeah. We'd rather focus on our failures than on our successes. Right. I mean, I was a shoemaker when I moved to Nashville. I repaired many Pearl's luggage case, her little um, pearl blue makeup case. I put rattlesnake toes on Alabama's boots in the shoe shop. That's kind of cheesy, but it's still, that was pretty cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. Take some and, artistry to do that. <laughs> and to remember those things with glee and relish is just mm. as important as the wailing I've done with everything else. Right. Universally, when I'm depressed, I've been depressing my feelings. Right. And learning to let those out and up. Yeah. Has been so powerful. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't sweat the small stuff like I used to. And if something does angst me, it angst me for a moment, poof, get it out, over, you know, I'm That's not right. going to give it the time. But that, you know, obviously wasn't the way it used to be. I mean, right. I, I right. really struggled with it. You know, it was always that feeling worthy and uh, are you enough? Because people would love yes. to tell you what you're not. But if they're unable to see you of what you are, right because they're right. not in your same vibe or you're not right. in the same channel right. Right. they don't see you so therefore they can only pick out things that they think is wrong with you right. the thing is don't buy somebody else's um impress you know impression of you right man you got enough bags don't take on theirs exactly <laughs> exactly exactly talk about depression you know oh and yeah <laughs> I've been, I walked around carrying that sack full of rocks a long time. Yeah, and you it's know, that really heavy. Ill. I was crippled. I was crazy. I was yeah. this. I was yeah. that. It's like, next? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that I've always said you need to be a little crazy to live in this world. I think it's the only way you can get through it. And And crazy I've always been in some form or other. Right, right. And, but, you know, my, my uh, crazy is, is heart crazy. You know, it comes Eccentric. from the heart. Yeah. Eccentric. Eccentric. And, yes. you know, I was South Africa's first go-go dancer. You know, wow. we and managed the first mobile discotheque, you know. I mean, wow. I was 15, you know, and what, what are you doing in life? And, of course, people think go-go dancers and they think sleazy strip joints. And it wasn't back then, you know. And it's, it was so fun to be yeah. at these various yeah. parties. I love to dance. I got paid to dance. And then, you know, playing music for people to make them happy. It was right. fantastic. A wonderful Right, experience. right, right. And it's like, I don't care what your judgment is of it now. I know yes. what it was then. That's right. correct. That's correct. Good on you. That's good. That's but that's, good. that's another big word though, isn't it? Judgment. Judgment it is. is so damning and it's so demeaning and it's so, it pulls people apart. And, it, and if you're wanting to help someone heal, you have no right to judge them. Right. Encourage them, but not judge them. <laughs> exactly. Because, you you know, here's the fundamental position that I've chosen to adopt in my older years. I assume that everyone is doing the best that they can. Now, exactly. let me tell you how that plays out. I was out in my, my car beach. going to get the mail. There's your beach to there's get my the mail. <laughs> Let's see. I'm, that might call for a switch up here then. <laughs> I'll meet you with the beach and counter you one with, oh, let's go for, let's go for flaming hot. Nah, <laughs> let's go for the My Milky waters way. will calm your, your flames. Right. <laughs> it doesn't stay for long and then it disappears. So you I'm back oh, there that's, again. <laughs> that's interesting. I'd love to know how you did that. Someday. I don't know how I do it. It just comes up in every really? show. Yes. That is so interesting. <laughs> so um, where was I? We were talking about oh. judgment. Judgment, yes. 
that people are doing the best they can. I was out this morning going to the post box to get check my mail, and this man nearly ran me off the road. Wow. So, of course, my first thing was this large solar flare, which I was right. able to kind of, and I said to myself as I'm, you know, white knuckling, <laughs> blistering the paint on the inside of my car, I thought, wait a minute. You're assuming that he knows who you are and that he woke up this morning and he decided that at 8.59 a.m. he would be on your street and he would he would try to aiming run you off you. the road. Right. right. Yeah. Well, aiming for you. <laughs> are you kidding? Yes. <laughs> and then I thought, and I asked people, so how many times in your life can you remember that you've woke, woken up on any morning and decided to make somebody's day miserable? Mm. I mean, deli that deliberately. Yeah. How many times have you consciously decided that you were going to make somebody's life miserable. And I seldom get more than people say, well, maybe two or three times in my life. I said, right. Mm -hmm. So why do you think they're, why do you think they're trying to make your life miserable? Right. And that one question, that one process of assuming that they're doing the best that they can, even if you'd like it to be different, has helped me get my judgments off of a lot right. of things. I have noticed though, there are what I call the piranhas. And they love being around the, you know, the rule of 12 inches, old fashioned here. Um, six to 12 inches are the people that are on various different levels of positivity. And your four to sixes are the people that are stepping out of that misery in their self-discovery, you know, embracing mm -hmm. the hope, embracing right, right, the purpose. Right, and then right. you're one to three of the piranhas. And they love living in the hate, the trauma, the, the misery. It's where they fry, but they need more energy to sustain that. So That's they right. go after the four, you know, four and fivers and suck right. the energy out of them. So right. we see so many people like, I really thought they were, you know, getting there. They seem to be so happy. And all of a sudden they've gone right back. And so it's really, really important when we are in our healing stage to be around people that are, that are higher vibration than you. That's correct. And, and part of the thing about going back is you've got to remember that if you have a shot glass, and if you are the shot glass, if you can tolerate and hold that much, if you can manage that much stuff, and somebody presents you with mm -hmm. a cup full, tries to pour it, and you're going to pour over. Yeah. So sometimes that pouring over only tells you that they are still working on building their self, still working on feeling their worth, still working on managing your feelings, still working on interconnections. Sometimes it's just a capacity issue mm -hmm. rather than an intent to be a miserable, grumpy grouchy old heifer or bull whatever i didn't want to be sexist there you know it's really important to me wait i can't even uh cattle yeah there you go yeah yeah neutral neutral um include all the possibilities but i i think that when i look at people who who seem to be so devoted to their own misery i grieve i grieve because yeah. i know what it feels like to be addicted to my own misery and i know that the amount of choices you have to stack up little choice on little choice on little choice. It reminds me of building um, a lovely Adobe brick wall or circular wall around myself. I need to build it high enough. It's in, it's permeable and you can get back and forth through it, but it needs to be tall enough yes. that I can tolerate the usual discomforts of everyday life. Yes. Mm -hmm. And most of us don't learn how to do that. Right. Which is why we pop off like bottle rockets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm and slash and gash everything around us and then have to go back into the cleanup or not. Yeah. Well, or I mean, look, what, what we've seen so much, because the press, you know, I say the Fox News takes a pimple and makes it into a volcanic eruption. 
you know, and it's, it just gets, it's all about riling people up. It and, is. And and it's, us, it's called yes. the hurricane, the hysterical hurricane, and people get yes. caught up in it and they don't know how to get out. Right, right. And how do you get out of a hurricane, literally? Go to the center. That's right. <laughs> if in a hurricane, if if you're in the eye where it's calm, of course, that means to you either have to avoid the whole thing, or if you find yourself having if the outer walls have already passed you and you're in the eye, you either have to stay in the eye and follow the hurricane or wait for the other side to pass. If you're going to wait for the other side to pass, you need to have the resources to tolerate it. Yeah. And that means the ability to manage your feelings. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that you can learn without any help. Yeah. Um, emotional intelligence skills are really great for helping people with that. And emotional intelligence is available everywhere. Um, you need to be able to have some sense of hope that you can tolerate it, that you can make it through the hurricane. And then you have to know how to hunker down, mm -hmm. which might be uniquely Southern in its expression. Is that an expression you all use? Do you know hunkering down? Yeah, yeah, maybe not use. Um, yeah, I what think I've used that terminology it? before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like finding the safest spot you yeah. can find and waiting for the storm to pass and then beginning the cleanup. Yeah. While you cry mm -hmm. at what's been lost, mm -hmm. while you laugh at what you've found, while you're angry at the slowness with which you're being supported by others, and while you learn to temper your expectations, because if there are other people that have been in the hurricane or they've been sent for relief, they may not be any better off than you are. Right. It's also then stepping into gratitude that you're still here. Oh, that. What a concept. Mm. Gratitude. Yes, uh, absolutely. And there's so many things to be grateful for. This morning, I was looking out the front door and there was a goldfinch drinking from the from the watering place I put for the birds out. And I just, it warmed my heart so much. I'm so grateful that I saw that. No, I'm grateful for the goldfinch and the watering thing mm -hmm. and for seeing it and for remembering it. Yes. And I can yeah. jack that all the way up. Personal neuroplasticity. Do you know about neuroplasticity, the ability of the brain to change? Um, I, I, the surface of it. Okay, well, this is just surface. My good friend, Joan Borisenko teaches this. And I think, I'm not sure who she got it from, but I'm pretty sure she said she got it from somebody else. So. I give credit that I know to give. Think about one good thing that's happened to you already today. Just one. Now, imagine that thing and turn the volume up on it. Yeah. And let it and do that for 20 seconds. And if you do that for three things a day, 20 seconds each, that's one minute. And you've just started creating a new positive neural circuit using personal neuroplasticity. That is all it takes. And if you do that every day, over and over and over again, well beyond the 21 days just to plant a habit. If you sit and you nurture that habit and you water it and you feed it and you pull the weeds from around it, you'll watch it blossom and grow and find harvest from it. And you'll find that it's easier for you to choose to be happy when you want to. Yep. Mama doesn't have to turn your life over. Right. No, you're totally singing my song here. You know, I'm always talking about that you, you cannot channel the wisdom with a closed heart and people right. say to me you know i feel so injured how do i open my heart and i say nature go out right. to nature hear the birds sing watch the rustle of the leaves the the ocean up on the shore watch the children playing watch the dogs chasing a ball or a stick if you can't get a smile out of that you know that it just warms your heart it lifts your spirit right right, right, right and it's like right. bottle it remember that feeling go out right. and do it often keep immersing yourself in it as that heart opens 
you know, that we only need is a crack and that heart wants to open up even more. Oh, then, yes. Then the oh, wisdom yes. starts coming through. And, oh, and yes. You, you go out hungry for the good things because right. the bad things don't taste so good and they don't make you right. feel good. So you go right. looking for what's going to warm your heart. Right. That's that interconnection piece, too, because I'll bet that you can remember a time when you've been outside and seen something glorious and grand. Yes. Even now, and you can call it up and you can still yeah. remember it and use that 20-second tool to keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, you know, I as it. I said, I have a four-month-old grandson and I just had the weekend That's with it. him. And, you know, he when I went in this time, he was asleep and my daughter just handed him over to me asleep. So he's slowly waking up with the, you know, little squeaks yeah. that they do. Yeah. Yeah. And he opened his eyes and he looked at me and just smiled. And you're like, if your heart can't melt, then I don't know what can. <laughs> he's got hold of my heart in a big way. But, in, you know, whether it's your grandson or your child, you know, other children, they live in such beautiful innocence and such supreme joy. Yes, and one of the things we've forgotten as adults is just how to be joyous. Right. And for those who didn't have joyous childhoods, maybe they see kittens or puppies. Yes. You see the joy that they bring. Yeah. You know, whatever you can, whatever you're willing to see the joy in, latch on to it and remember that joy and water it and feed it and tend it. That's so important. And that is a hard thing for trauma survivors to do, partly because the current way we think about healing yeah. is that we have to go in and we have to dig through all the stuff and relive it and relive it. Okay. No, you don't. Now it's really funny. Microsoft word for, for way back when there was a tool that clinicians used called ab reaction. And it meant to react to relive or revivify an experience. If you typed ab reaction into word for, it would come back with barbecue as a spell check. And that was pretty accurate because it felt like being barbecued. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. Slowly. You only, <laughs> yeah. you only need to grab enough to work on. Mm. Why would you keep going back and over and over and over again to that instead of looking for the lessons and what you need to learn and going forward with it? If you know you've got gaps in what you learned, find out what those gaps are and learn that. It will help. It will reduce the work you need to do in therapy. Mm -hmm. It's not a substitute, but you know, too often we use therapy as, as a substitute for some of the deep meaningful relationships we'd like to have outside of therapy. I've found that Matthew Kelly's work on the seven levels of intimacy has been really helpful, mm -hmm. especially for a lot of trauma survivors and looking at what do people who don't have histories of profound trauma do when they first meet but what are the levels of communication they go through instead of starting out by saying hi my name's elizabeth and and i was blah 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 yeah. here's my story that's the set that's level seven you need to start at level one and go through the other levels you'll have the time to see if this is a relationship you want to pursue mm -hmm. will it support the content that you'd like to share is there reciprocity does it make you feel zestful is it growth promoting and then you get to seven and you don't get your heart broken when you tell your story. Right. Exactly. Ooh, yeah. Juicy stuff. I'm sorry. Yes. I get excited. And the thing is, is something happened to you. It's what happened to you, but it's not your story now. It's right. a past story. Your story now is how you overcame, of right. who you became, of what right. you're doing now with it, with right. that strength that you learned from it. And right. I, I, you know, I do feel that things that happen to us are our, um, cosmic lesson 
Oh, they are. You know, to to find that inner strength. And I mean, I look back on a few things that I've gone through, and every time I happen to face something that I think is difficult, all I do is look back. I look back and look, look what you've overcome already in the past. All right, right now you're feeling a bit jittery. You, you know, you're in a reaction. All right, have your reaction, but you know you've done this before. All you need to do right now is look at how you're going to get through this one. That's right. That's right. And it's that's so classic. I had a, I've had computer troubles the last three weeks. I was sitting working on my notebook. Retrograde. <laughs> it was retrograde. It burst into flames. It was so retrograde. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> And while I was out in the sunny, cool Pacific Northwest, not. Mm -hmm. um, in a lovely heat hard, wave, yes. <laughs> the only fool that goes to the Pacific Northwest in a heat wave. Like, <laughs> well, we didn't know there was going to be such a heat I wave. Know, you know, we weren't prepared for it. <laughs> it, made, it, made, it made the South look a lot cooler when I got home. Um, <laughs> but uh, I got home and my, my external hard drive that had all of my backups on it. Oh, no. Failed. Oh, no. And and it's like, okay, I'm, I, I remember sitting going, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And I can feel that. You know how when all the molecules kind of yes. ruffle and settle. And I thought, oh, my God, the last time this happened, I dropped a hard drive when I was I fell. And it was $4,000 to get it restored. What? Talk about gouging. Well, yeah. You know, but, but you're not paying them for just your hard drive. You're paying them for the clean room they've got. You're paying them for the certifications mm. they get. You're paying them for all their experience. I could take it to somebody for, for who $99 would transfer it to another hard drive without any repair. Mm. And it wouldn't do me any good. Right. So, and but I sat and I thought, you know, I've, I've been through this before. The first thing is don't use the hard drive again until you're in a safe place. Figure out, can you see the file? What, you know, what, what kind of condition can you determine? I've actually let it sit for a week and a half, which to me has been part of my testimony to how far I've come instead of freaking out and going, oh my God, I have to do this right now. Yeah. I don't have the money. It'll never yeah. happen. I'm, yeah. I'm going to die and live under the bridge. You know, I'll be homeless forever because of this hard time. <laughs> yeah. Been there, done that. Know that one. <laughs> Meltdown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That temple you were talking about that turns into a volcano. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Some of us think that's what should happen to a certain news outlet. Oh, God, yes. Burst into flames, please. Yes. Um, yeah. you know, accountability. You know, when we're talking about news, they have no accountability nowadays. They really don't care. We're, we, uh, in North America, and you know, the world, with the pandemic and with the five years before the pandemic, um, you know, there's I'm so, so much... Sorry. I don't, I, you know, we feel for you we too yeah. <laughs> um you know the, all the hysteria that was going on for so long everybody was uptight and i, I remember um uh, rachel meadows being on colbert show and saying with biden being in and she said yes back to boring politics you know and it's like he's just gone on and done it right there's no twitters there's no this there's no that there's no what i call shite stirring going on all the right, time right, right right and it's like everybody you know then there was the pandemic which they had to navigate and it's like that was a a a, a time to review and renew and really you know redirect oneself because you have the gift of time mm -hmm. um all of these things so much good can come out of something but are we willing to throw those seeds out there and water and nurture them and say whatever good is going to grow grow because sometimes especially in a pandemic you don't know 
you know, what is even needed to grow other than optimism. Um, but we've been through a lot and everybody's just so rattled and they just don't need any more. But you've still got the people that are still in that hurricane and they don't know how to come out of it. And it's eating them up alive and they don't realize it. I realize this is a podcast. And I realize when I say turn off media, I might be saying turn off the podcast. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, turn off your TV. Yeah. Quit taking in violence and distress and trauma because your brain cannot tell the difference between right. what you see and hear right. and what you experience. And so by continuing to expose yourself to that, I mean, even if you're watching the Terminator series, which I happen to like, but I don't watch because it's, I, I was in a movie where they were filming nearby and got to see some of it. So I kind of developed an affinity for it. Mm -hmm. But if you're putting garbage in, if you're putting violence and mistrust in, if you're putting things that may seem logically true, but are actually false in, and you aren't willing to give what we call objective fact any credibility, you're really setting yourself up to have a very hard way to go here. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're stressing now because I live in a state that's under 50% have had their first vaccinations. Mm -hmm. I've had both. Mm -hmm. And we just had the largest 4th of July in the States. We had 400,000 people come into the city. It's a very red state. Almost yeah. everybody voted for Trump. Mm -hmm. I live in the only blue district in the state, I think. And I'm going, well, how long will it take on my invisible watch here before we start seeing cases skyrocket yeah. again? People falsely believe it is logical. I've been vaccinated. I don't need to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. People who haven't been vaccinated say they've been vaccinated. I don't need to wear a mask. But now we know that the Delta variant. Yes that those of us who have been vaccinated and don't wear masks may be getting infecting people. And so we all still need to be wearing masks, but we have people who would just as soon die as wear a mask. I know. I don't get Why? it. Well, it's because I, I now I'm going to step on, I'm going to risk throwing something in the punch bowl here. My truth, it's my truth, so I'm going to do it. Wait a minute. Hang on a minute. Your truth stops where my air begins. Mm-hmm. If I'm not part of your truth, if you and I aren't part of each other's truth, then I'm saying that nothing exists except me. Mm -hmm. And I'm the only one that counts. Right. And I live in an area, I have to have air to breathe. You and I couldn't have this conversation without a great deal of air and technology. Right. Therefore, there are third-party relationships even now. Mm -hmm. If I'm unwilling to look out for the people that are adjacent to me and around me and wherever I am, the karma's really bad on that. That's all I can say. <laughs> the karma's really bad. So we we face we face a moment in time where we have to figure out if I really am supposed to care for my neighbor the way I care for myself, if that is the part of the culture you grew up in, what causes me to say I'm not willing to wear a mask? I'm going to ridicule them when they do wear a mask. Mm -hmm. What about the 30 students who were on a plane on an American Airlines flight to Bermuda that was canceled because they refused to wear their masks, were cursing at the flight attendants. Where has civility gone? Right. Civility right. has gone out the window with mm -hmm. the rise of it's my truth and my truth is the only one that counts. Right. That phrasing is hard because I do have truths that are unique to me, but I have truths that are common with others as well. And we've stopped differentiating amongst the common good and the individual good. Yeah. 
And as long as I focus only on my good, it allows me to be able to navigate waters without any accountability, without any responsibility. And you can't be accountable if you're not responsible. But it's certainly not a community approach, is it? No, it's not. And yet we are communities ourselves. Yes. How many cells in your body? Right. How yes. many organs have to cooperate with yeah. each other? Exactly. You know, we are a large organism and half of us is trying to kill the other half off, I think. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> no, I mean, let's take it from the organ point of view. You know, um, if the brain is out of sync, now the brain is what is the mechanics of the body. Right, right. is the information that goes through it. The mind is the programming, is all the programming, everything that you've learned is in there. If the brain is out of sync, it's not getting the message to the rest of the body. So That's you right. start finding various organs that are in distress. Now they could be in distress because your mind is in, is in trauma right, from something that's happened or something you're trying to navigate through. But also it could be your brain that is completely out of sync. And we never think about that, of putting it right, in right, equilibrium. Right, and right. and we, all we do is we address the organ. Well, no, right. the organ is the byproduct of all the out of alignment of everything else. So right. we have to be in sync, mind, body, heart, and soul. Everything has right. to be in a flow because if it right. isn't, we're blocking the energy running through our body. And this is why you get dis-ease, because the body cannot cope with the imbalance that's going on there. And we're 70% water. And if we are going to be talking to ourselves negatively or now negative around us, our water changes. It becomes unproductive, which means it cannot support our body. So all of these things are very rational and very logical. So why can't we apply them to ourselves? What would happen if we began to bless the water? Right. Yes. What would happen if we simply took our time and spent our day blessing mm -hmm. instead of cursing? Right. Yeah. Look to I the bless funny myself. side of the street. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I mean, it's kind of like the life of Brian from Monty Python. Yes. <laughs> the but there's. <laughs> uh, but who was the guy that did the uh, messages from water? I don't know. Remember him? Um, it's a, he was a Japanese fellow Japanese oh Emoto. i've Emoto. actually the, i've actually no. interviewed his assistant because he died and i've yes. interviewed his assistant who's continuing his work yes yes but messages you, from water yes yes Masuri Emoto. yeah yes when you look at the work that he did mm -hmm. however hokey you call it you can't right. discount it completely no, no. The what would happen there. what would happen no matter what has happened to me in the past no matter how injured i've been what would happen if I devoted myself to blessing everything that is around me every day? What would happen if I made it my intention to bless my cat, right. to bless this microphone, the camera, to bless the bean vines that I can see outside? What would happen if we made a conscious choice to bless and bless and bless again? And if you are an Orthodox Jew, you would be blessing things anyway. Right. You would even be blessing going to the bathroom. You would be blessing what came out of you and blessing the toilet that held it. Right. Even the monks, right? Blessing every step they take. Yes. Um, it, you know, it's it's the Beach Boys. Good, good, good vibrations. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That is the fastest way to increase the light in one's life. Yeah. Is to bless. And, and that, you know, that is in that appreciation and that gratitude for who you are and what you have, not what's happened to you and what you haven't got. Right, right. Oh, wow. Yeah, so true. Yeah, that emotive experience, uh, you know, I, I had Yachiyuki on 
bless him, four o'clock in the morning on his side. And then I had him on with another gentleman from the Beach Boys called Robert Williams, who yes. actually um, has devised a, a wonderful water device that actually raises our frequency in the water content that we take. Wow. And so, you know, this is something that um, we need to understand we are all vibrational creatures. We all run our frequency. We are all energy. The universe is, you've got the universe right behind you. Other, every single thing has a signature of energy. And we need to rise up to a higher level, a higher frequency, one of love. Because when you're in that state of love, you can't knowingly do any harm to anyone else. It's against your very right. grain and core. Right. But it's also the possibility for uh, um, frequency where anything is possible. All it requires is innovation and ingenuity and, and a belief that it is possible. And then all the what you need to make it possible will come because you've opened up those channels to do so. And you, in, the, in doing so, you also make a shift from being magnetic mm -hmm. to being radiatory. Yes. And I have to tell you that trauma survivors can draw trouble like a trailer park draws tornadoes. All right. Right. It's, it's very much the magnetics that happen and moving, flipping to radiatory does a major shift not only on your energy but also on your physical health 100 percent, 100 percent. and you know the thing is is you can feel it when you you know um in recovery whatever you want to call it we've both been there we both know oh, what yeah. trauma is like right we both know yeah. we've both lived in our own hell yes. <laughs> we know what it's yes. like and yes. the thing is um, we didn't settle that, you know, for me, it was, I had eight years in my life where I was just robotic. I was there for everyone else, counseling everyone else, raising three children, everything else, but I disappeared from my life. Um, and nobody could see that, but in my darkness, because uh, I needed to retreat because of the pain, I could see a light, always that light. And when I found the courage to go towards that light, which was very blinding at first. And then when you come out of the light, you feel the shadows chasing you. Yes. Right? right. And then eventually the shadows drain away and your eyes adjust to the light. And now I can go into the darkness and be the light. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's just such a joyous description. And it's so true. And the will it takes is not much at first. No. You simply have to be willing to try it out and see what happens. It's as uncomfortable to feel the good feelings as it is to feel the bad feelings. Right. Yes. You just get to choose which one you want. It's right. like any change. You're going to feel the same no matter whether you choose it as a problem or an opportunity. The only thing you get to drive is the outcome. And if you, you know, look at a change, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. You go. No, I'm just, you know, metaphorically looking at the heat wave we've had. Mm -hmm. Now, you could be sitting outside melting, literally mm -hmm. wilting, or you right. could go in and find shade and air conditioning. <laughs> Right, right. Or, which will rejuvenate you, you right know? right and if you don't have air conditioning you can put a frozen wash rag around your neck to cool the carotid arteries yes i did you can, you can, my head you can, <laughs> right my you feet. can make a swamp cooler you know mm -hmm. you can go down into the root cellar if you've got one mm -hmm. but if until you decide to move out away from that which is causing you continued pain you won't be able to see the things that you can call in that will bring you continued healing let go of, of the vice that it has on you. You know, yes. it's like we don't realize when we've walked away from it and we can look back, you realize I was there longer than I should have been because there was a clamp on me and the button was always there for me to release it. And I was looking everywhere else to release it, but the button that was right there, right? So the willingness, 
the free will to want to come out of that vice. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that is the opening of that door where you can start seeing the solutions in front of you. But nobody can help you until you are willing to help yourself. Or to be helped. Or be helped, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's, 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 an, it's a hard thing. It's been an amazing journey, hasn't it? It has, and I have no regrets. I mean, I could look back and go, what was I thinking? <laughs> oh, God, I shouldn't have done that. And my kids remind me of it <laughs> often. Yeah. And it's like, um, I can't have regrets because that journey brought me to where I am today. Exactly. You know, there are people who be saying, oh, you shouldn't talk about being diagnosed with multiple person. Oh, mm. yeah. And I'm going, I shouldn't. Why not? Well, right. I mean, it makes you look crazy. And I'm going, well, let's see. I have friendships that have lasted over 30 years. Yeah. I have a business that's doing well. I've been self-employed since 1982. I earned a master's degree in education from Vanderbilt in the process of going through being a multiple. I've now gotten this appointment as an adjunct instructor in psychiatry at Georgetown. Why do I have to disconnect from part of the journey that helped me get here? Wasn't hospitalized, never did medication, kept on working, missed maybe 10 days worth of work, got put on the team development task force at the Saturn Corporation because people thought I got it about being a team. You know, why should I not bring that with me. I don't want to revel in it mm -hmm. and I don't wish to deny it. Here's the double bind. If you've been dissociative mm -hmm. and you're more well associated than dissociated, dissociated in your current state, if I say I was never dissociative, well, that could be accused of being dissociative. It's kind of a catch 22. Yeah. You never get out of it. So it's like, well, okay, please look at your own theologies. Mm -hmm. How many theologies focus on, well, the Christian theology of the Trinity, the three and the one, the Hindu theology with all the many different gods in the one, you know, there's not so much that's, it's not the, it's not the multiplicity. It's the trauma that drives distance and creates dysfunction. Yeah. I actually think that you having all those personalities has been an absolute asset because you have them to draw on, to be able to do the multiple things oh, that you've been yes. able to do. Oh right? yes. I mean, I've lived about 18 lives in one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that I, many of my past lives are with me, you know, and, well, see, and they help me move forward. Karma. Mm -hmm. I think it was simul karma. I think that I must have chosen this time to try and clean up everything mm -hmm. possible in this one lifetime. Yeah. And in so doing, of course, that meant calling down a lot of other things that are not particularly savory. Um, and, and people always assume that that particular disorder comes from childhood child abuse. I got to tell you, it doesn't have to. There was mm -hmm. no perpetrator right. in the moves that my father made as a result of his military career and the post-World War II industrial era revolution where young men got jobs and got moved and you went and you moved as many times as your boss told you to right. move. There's no perpetrator in his cancer. There was no perpetrator in the birth defects that caused my knees to dislocate. There was no perpetrator in the St. Vitus dance that put me on phenobarbital that, that opened up my third eye and caused me to become a visionary. Mm -hmm. However, all of those things made me invisible enough that I did I become prey for every predator. I know. Yes. That's, that's, that's the place. And I will, I had to fight so hard and I want to tell everyone who's, who's part of this podcast, fight for your health as much as you fought for your dysfunction. Yes. Fight for your health mm -hmm. because you have it. You can claim it. You can expand it and go further with it, but you have to be willing to fight for your 
health. I agree with I was, you. Know, treatment compliant, non-resistant. Right. Yeah. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> I mean, from the age of two, I had asthma and I've never outgrown it. So I now I've had it yeah. 64 years. Right. And it limited me to doing a lot of things. Yes. I've always been a seer. I used to talk to dead people when I was young and yeah. you know, I've opened up channels, you know, the, the knowingness, seeing what you need to see when you need to see it. Um, and it was always considered weird. And there was, I, now I have fibromyalgia and all that goes under that umbrella. And it goes, I have these things. They're, they travel with me, but I am not these things. That's correct. Right. And it's, you know, part of that everyday challenge is, is it's there. You know, we just learned to live it. In the last couple of days, I've had the the body say to me, no, time out, time out. Yep. It's for yep. you. Um, I'm shutting you down because you need to regroup. And it's okay. We've learned to have a partnership with it. Um, that's so good. And that's anything that you are given. You are not, you know, bipolar. You are not this, you are not that. You have this as your challenge. And the more that you look at it as a partnership and understanding and learn to listen to it, the more that you both can move forward in your life and achieve. Right, right. And don't be so attached to a diagnosis. If right. you take the 10 most frequently given ones mm -hmm. and overlay all the symptoms, they have 80% in common. Yes. Yes. Now, it's, 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 you know, a diagnosis is a label that's a shorthand for a variety of behaviors. That, the, that are called symptoms. Yeah. Don't be so attached to having it. If someone tells you that you are borderline, I would say, I, I just wouldn't participate because that's, that is code for, you have difficulty managing your feelings and establishing boundaries and relationships. Mm -hmm. For that, you should accept the label that's gonna cause you trouble your whole life. Right. For that. Well, it's like autistic people. How many people have I interviewed that are autistic that are incredibly creative, written books, you know, have degrees and doing this and that. All I say is that they're gifted people who happen to see life in a different way. We perceive them as being less than because they may not be able to completely com converse in our language. How about we step outside of ourselves and converse with them in theirs? What a concept. Yeah. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. But, you know, there are two fields of, of thought right now that are addressed, that are trying, that are trying, are challenging uh, traditional psychiatry in great ways. One is called critical psychiatry, which is where I live, which says, look, you know, there's a lot of rottenness in the system. It's oh God, yes. the problem goes back to when the people who are working with mental and emotional health wanted to gain credibility and aligned with the medical model. Mm -hmm which meant that they could then end up getting payment through the insurance system for which they needed to have diagnostic codes. There's a lot of cachet to getting your diagnosis added to the DSM, mm -hmm. Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Um, but the whole notion of critical psychiatry is that we don't need to blow the whole thing up, but there's a lot of it that needs to be adjusted. Anti-psychiatry, and I don't live in anti-psychiatry, I live in critical psychiatry. Mm -hmm. Anti-psychiatry says blow it all up, we don't need any of it. I think we need it because there are cases where a person has a biological brain problem mm -hmm. like inflammation yes, or um, um, encephalitis or syphilitic lesions or a traumatic brain injury or some other disease, maybe an autoimmune disorder that may cause like Lewy's body dementia. Those are, they cause symptoms that are mental and emotional, but they live firmly in the realm of physical medicine, infectious disease, neurology, neurobiology. What we deal with the rest of us 
are problems of adapting. We've adapted yeah. the best way we knew how to something that was terrifying to us. We need help learning how to calm our silly selves down and breathe and do other things adapt to the current and not the past. And I don't say silly things in, in a mean way. No. But no. the very idea that I needed to dive under the bed every time an ambulance went by was it was an overreactive nervous system, mm -hmm. an untoned vagus nerve, the inability to separate this siren from that siren. Mm -hmm. And those are things that we can slow ourselves down a bit and learn. And, and I just think that's so critical. So, you know, it's 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 about let's help the people who want to help others. Yeah live in a world that allows them to do the good they desire to yeah. do instead of burning them up and burning them. And if they can only stay in the field an average of six years, something's wrong with the culture of the profession. Yeah. We cannot create clinicians and therapists fast enough to meet the demand that the marketing machine is creating. The mental health crisis of the pandemic is not nearly as bad as we thought it would be, but there are places where it will be worse than it is. Right. I had somebody on who is a, a psychologist and she's she changed her entire name to um sacred therapy um because she said we psychology is all about the head you know the brain the the the, the mind and it's not about the body and she's saying but we're sacred creatures and you know everything needs to be encompassed for the whole healing mm -hmm. and it, she changed her entire approach of how she went about it. And I think there Wonderful. it needs to be a complete overhaul, isn't there? You know, it's, we, when you hear the word clinical, you immediately feel no humanity with it. Yeah. It's just like it, science, robotic, and, and there isn't any attachment to the human being and, and all the heart, the soul, the spirit that is in that person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just about the clinical psyche and not anything else. And, and then there's such a disconnect, right? That how can you heal somebody that way? How can you, if you don't incorporate yeah. all of them in it? How can you even, how can you even participate in them healing themselves? If yes. you can't, you know, you, you can't get out and walk with someone who's having difficulties mm -hmm. because that's not the right milieu. Right. Are you kidding? Why couldn't you? Um, you can't, you know, there's so many rules about what you can and can't do that come out of rules that were appropriate for the time and the context and the circumstance when they were written, but are not helpful now. Mm -hmm. And we need to help grow people who are so much healthier that they can help us with the sacred task of healing. And mm -hmm. that, you know, that healing is just waiting for us, waiting for us, you know, um, the universe is, is there to support us, community is there to support us, healers are there to support us, but we've got to be willing to open up that door and ask for help mm -hmm. and, and willingly accept that help without dictating what that help is, because mm -hmm. along your journey, you're going to have various people along the way that are going to help you through this and help you through that. They're there to fortify you. To, to teach you, to guide you on your journey of life, not to walk it for you. But right. you'll always have support if you open up. You will always see it. That's right. And the healer reducing crises is like that too. The book, mm -hmm. not everybody will like the book. So far, everybody has liked the book. There will be people who will take part of it and set it aside. And there will be people who will do everything I recommend they try. And there will be people who will take it to a clinician and they'll say what they have to say about it. Um, but it's again, if you don't go to the buffet, you can't pick your food. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And 
I know, I mean, my, my own sister, she has so many physical things wrong with her. Um, and there's so many times I've, you know, suggested a particularly nutrition or this or that. No, no, the doctor won't let her go on anything. And it's like, okay, doctor, you don't know enough about the nutrition. How about you learn more about the nutrition from the nutritionist right? and work together. Let's cross the aisle. Right. We don't right. want this political right. divide between medicines. Right. Recognize that other healers and their medium of healing is just as respectful as yours and cross the aisle and meet each other so that you can address your patient wholly. Right. And right. Not your way is the right way and the only way. Right. Right. There's some some docs. It's, it's a lot of fun to teach medical students because there's some who are automatically leaning in that direction. Mm -hmm their profession and their insurance will require that they always pay more attention to the tools from their trade. Right. But there are those who are beginning to really realize that we cannot, it's, it's about communication. It's about owning our own history, owning their own history as they go forward in their careers docs and looking at all of the different elements that used to be totally poo pooed. Instead of getting two poo poos now they only get a poo. Right. Which is good. So we're making progress. We're stepping out in the right direction. Yeah, there's uh, one gentleman, I can't remember his name right now, but he, he started a university where it was conventional and alternative medicine being taught. Right. And so it is slowly happening. And then, yes. you know, we just need to open up our minds with everything else. And, you know, really, that's the bottom line of it, isn't it? Open your mind. Don't be so Minds are like parachutes. Yeah. Like parachutes only work when they're open. Right. Right. And it's going to be a hard fall if you don't open that mind. <laughs> you wonder why you keep falling. Well, you know, you just got to pull that lever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, what fun. What fun. Uh, you know, the thing is, is um, there are certain people that are in such a state of crisis that they're so locked into it that it really you have to try and pull a thread to start mm -hmm. unraveling them. Mm -hmm. And and it's mm -hmm. it is so highly sensitive and mm -hmm. that you know that probably does require some clinical help to get into the you know the other healing help but mm -hmm. there are a lot of other people who are still traumatized by something has happened because sometimes they don't understand why they're trying to look for a reason did i ask for this you know did Maybe i invite this mm -hmm. yeah and it's like if you go down that it's like you're always going to be again on that treadmill and it's like it's it happened all right um Sometimes it says something that we do that invites it. It could be the lower vibration, the wrong place, wrong time, who knows. But it is, don't ask those questions until you're out of it. Because then you right. can go back and you can see it more rationally. You can't see it while you're still in it. Right. And until you have a little more capacity, you cannot pour an ounce. You can't pour this into an ounce container. Right. Because yeah. I promise you, almost all of us who've done any work on our own stuff, have gone in and we felt so bad we wanted immediate relief yeah. and we've gone so quickly so fast that we've made ourselves less able to do things in the process or maybe the clinician or the therapist or counselor needs us to go quickly because maybe they can't tolerate the distress but the bottom line is it's up to me to manage what my self-capacity is what i can tolerate what i can handle that doesn't mean i should be able to handle everything no but if i can reduce the distress it well, like that hard drive, if instead of having a hissy fit, a conniption fit, going up apoplectic and throwing it against the wall, because obviously it's not going to work anyway, I could sit back and let myself shake for a little while at the anxiety of it. 
and let myself breathe my way through it and realize it's just a hard drive. I can set it right here. It won't get any worse and it won't get any better if I just let it sit for a while. That was so big for me. You, you spent the emotion. I spent right? the emotion. And, I went the thing, out and pulled weeds. Right. And um, the thing is, the emotions are there for a reason, but don't get stuck in them. That's spend right. them. Spend them. And spend if you're them. angry, yes. don't go and spend it on someone else. Right. <laughs> go chop wood, go and punch the punching bag, go for a run, right? Go and pull tear, weeds. You know? Tear up the sidewalk and yeah. replace it, you know. <laughs> I got a terminal mat on on Halloween a couple of years back, and and I didn't like the sidewalk in front of my house. It was on my property, so I could do this. So I tore the sidewalk up with a 10-pound sledgehammer and an 8-foot pry bar. And then on Thanksgiving, rented a jackhammer to finish the job. And I have to tell you that by the time I'd finished all of that, I was no longer mad. Right. <laughs> Probably a bit sore. <laughs> yes, it did, it, did, it did its job. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, as you said, go for a walk, go and do exercise. The thing is, is that our body holds the tension. And mm -hmm. so our mind might release, but the body is kind of the last one to release. So go and do right. something that's going to release the tension. Dance, swim, walk, run, do something. Tai Chi, Qigong, you whatever, just do something right, to right. release the tension in your right. body. Because when your body is calm, your mind could be calm, but your mind could be calm and the body's still in it. So you right. do release the body at the same time. Right, right. And if part of what you're doing is you do that is realizing your need for relationships, mm -hmm. but you're still working on your relationship skills, maybe we're learning to work down through Matthew Kelly's seven levels. Remember that there are places like meetups that, that yes. don't expect a lot of investment. If you go to a meetup, you may or may not like the people. You may or may not like the activity. It's not You're not asking them to put their shoes under your bed. It's a right. meetup, a one-time right. event. Yeah. And that's a good place to practice. You don't blow quite as many relationships up that way. Right, exactly. Um, to remember, too, we are a community. It is okay to ask for help. People are generally so very willing to help in some form yeah. or other. Um, and to realize that, yes, you are walking this journey on your own. In, in It's your choice and what you do. But there's always somebody there that's going to help you along the way. And you gather, you know, like you gather the moss of the rolling stone. You gather the people along the way. Some are just passing you know, as you pass in the night, others are there, maybe lifers. But all that wonderful wisdom that you're learning along the line is just going in your backpack and it's always going to be with you. So you right. have to be willing to move forward. Right. Get unstuck, whichever way you can, get unstuck. Because that's right. not serving you. And if it's not serving you, you have no service to anyone else. That's right. And it may be at a different pace than it was for you and I, yeah. but for folks to simply be willing to take the journey, mm -hmm. the people that you need will show up when you're willing to see them. The tools that you need will willing will come into your life when you're willing to let them in. The things you add to your backpack, you will need because someone out there is waiting to hear your voice. Yeah. And until you fine tune your voice, yeah. it may be hard for you to speak to others about what you've been given to speak about. I mean, both you and I, um, at our ages, the resources around us weren't there, right? We mm -hmm. didn't have access. Now, literally, at your fingertips, you know, I've got 2,700 shows here of beautiful wisdom from people who've taken right. the journey. There's TED Talks. There's other podcasts. There's YouTubes. There's always something that out there that can help you. I know for me, if I'm getting into a rut, I'm doing right. my editing, uh, on goes the music, and the music just 
equilibriums me while I'm just doing my thing is find wow. out what works for you right. right and be willing to participate in your own life in your own healing don't wait for someone else to do it for you they're to help you do it for yourself that's right and many of the answers are inside as you continue yeah. to unwrap and open the gifts that you've been given yes I want to say something about heavy metal music everybody including me used to rag on heavy metal music it's really awful you, it's not good there are actually some really cool studies showing that people some people do relax and do find heavy metal music truly healing at the physiological level matsuri emoto's water i was already kind of not interested in loud harsh music mm. because it's hard for me and his water showed me what it does to the very things that we're made up of but i have to say that there are some people for whom it works yes yes so forgive my judgment about that. No, that is, uh, you know, what does work for you? I mean, because screaming music or, you know, music, to, I mean, for, for me, kind of one of the great uh, discs was it, it was um, uh, Celtic African music. And you had the African beat with the Celtic and just the mm -hmm. rhythm and the beat and everything. Mm -hmm. And it just, mm -hmm. it sets you into a rhythm. And life is about a rhythm. You know, mm -hmm. our blood flow, our oxygen flow, the wind, the waters all have to be in flow. Right. And right. so find out what it is that keeps you in flow because then you're not right. going to have stagnancy. Right. right? right. And we don't want to get right. stagnant because then that's when the mosquitoes come around. <sighs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. And they fly, they fly in squadrons here. Yeah. They really do. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, I could just talk to you forever, and I do want to have you back on again. You're an absolute anytime. delight. Anytime. Absolutely. I'd be delighted to come back on your show anytime. And I wish all of your readers the very best in finding their own paths and in pursuing their healing and in making great leaps through small steps to become who they're destined to be. Now, how do people get hold of the book? What oh, are your sites? They can go to Elizabeth power.com i need to share with them that i'm not the lady in the uk who writes romance novels <laughs> okay. of the same name right. um, and they can go to thehealerseries.com for the book or they can go to amazon right and you've also got elizabethpower.com in power Sorry, I haven't got my glasses on. Empower Anderson. Which side have I got now? <laughs> so elizabethpower.com um, slash empower and associates. No, no, no. No, no that's no, a different one. No. Okay, that link will go. Well, um, Epowerandassociates.com is an old legacy link to the corporate world. Okay. That we need to have because of the legacy. But I'm going forward. I'm stepping fully into me. It's elizabethpower.com. Great. And everything is there. Even that link would take you back into that. I'm so sorry if I sent you that. That's all right. It's okay. We'll just delete it. Just go elizabethpower.com. And of course, I didn't know how many there. I didn't know how many of me there were when I named the company in 1982. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I changed my name and yet still it comes up a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> and you have a podcast as well. How do people find that? We, our podcast is coming up. It, it's the power garden. It's not, we have about four episodes that we've done so far, but writing a series of five books mm. means that I'm a guest and not a podcaster yet. Right. Just because of the tack, the time it takes. Okay. So the podcast is to come. To come. To come. Great. And, uh, 
you know, I mean, I've been a podcaster now for nine years and I've got to meet some exceptional people. And, you know, the one thing I do believe there is always an answer, always an answer if you're yes. willing to look for it, if you're willing to listen, yes. if you're willing to learn. You know, yes. for, for me, my platform is that let your fingers do the walking through the Orchard of Wisdom Library and something will speak to you that you need to hear. And I think a lot of it is allow, give yourself permission allow and just be willing to go with the flow take dictation out of it take expectation out of it um take labeling out of it and just find your core find your center and the more you journey the more you come into that center. i can't do anything against my core if my core says no i don't argue with it i just don't do it because it's not going to be good for me yes absolutely absolutely and that's and it will take you on some marvelous journeys. Oh, you yes. might find yourself fixing the shoes of the stars. <laughs> you could be traveling as an animal psychic for six or seven years. Been there, done that. Oh, you could end up at a religious community. Did that too. And you might find yourself on Sarah Troy's show. Yeah. The cream on the top. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, all of your wonderful wisdom. I said, I have to have you back again because I know there's so much more in you that we want to know. You've been an absolute delight. It's just been wonderful. And, you know, the answers are always there. The, the, sometimes they're extremely simple, but the free will, the permission, the choice, we've got to step into that because nothing happens until we do. That's right. That's exactly right. So elizabethpower.com get her book please it's also on amazon so you can find it on amazon as well healer reducing crisis and boy do we need to reduce the crisis out there right now right there's you know it's i've, I've said that you know the kind of the pandemic after the pandemic will be emotional and economical and yes. you know we still need to pull together we still need to stand united and we still need to work with one another in our communities uh, in global communities because we're still in the healing stage we're not out of this yet we really are and i think we're probably going to see more challenges to come yet but you know you have neighbors do you know your neighbors yes you have friends do you know what your friends need if you have two can you share one mm. And, you know, a lesson learned from this heat wave we had is that the majority of the deaths that we had were elderly people living alone that That's nobody right. checked on. That's right. Raise hell about your neighbors. Make sure that you know who your neighbors are. Make right. sure that your elders, your elders need you and you need them. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. We are there for each other. We are here to serve each other. We're here to serve this planet that serves us so well. Yes, so indeed. It's time to step out of our, of our ego and to understand this isn't about you, yourself and, and I. It's about we. What instrument am I? How well do I play it? Which orchestra can I bring it to? What kind of symphony can we create that is invitational to everyone else? Absolutely. Now, here's a hillbilly saying for you. Long as I've got a biscuit, you've got half. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and that really is how it should be, right? Don't stuff your face while there's somebody next to you hungry. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. So we can all step into some compassion and some cohesiveness and our community. And we can all step into some self-love because when you step into that self-love, let your cup run over 
and you'll see what impact it has on your society around you. And That's it's right. wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. It really is. Even if you just do it a little bitty bit at a time, yep. it's still, it's amazing yep. how quickly it becomes a flood of love that we all need to have. Exactly. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. And I can't wait to have you back on again. Pure delight. I've enjoyed every moment of it. And I know Thank my audience so has too. Don't forget to share the podcast, folks. There's a lot that we discussed here today. And listen to it again with pen in hand. Share it with other people. Have a conversation. What part can you play in this? Is this something that's re relative to you? Is it something relative to someone you know? This is how we help each other. This is the conversation that we're inviting you to have with each other. So until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.